It is your weekly Big 12 roundtable this week. Still no Stephen Simcox. He is in uh, Mickey World. He is with the family in Disney World. I am Josh Neighbors, the host of Locked On Big 12. John Williams is here. He is the host of Locked On Sooners, as is Linda Godfrey. She is the host of Locked On Pokes. And also Jake Hatch. He is the host of Locked On Cougars. Uh, tonight, we have a lot of news. We got Mark Emmert. He is going to be stepping down as the head of the NCAA. Then we have some news about the Baylor quarterback situation. Sounds like we know who it's going to be at the helm, at least to start the season next year for the Baylor Bears. And then take a look back at some spring football, maybe a little NFL draft in there as well. A lot to talk about today on the show coming up after this. Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, once again, so the big news today, folks, was that Mark Emmert, the uh, one of the great punching bags in American sports, we've talked about this before, but commissioners, um, usually in professional sports, are very much punching bags. Like that is kind of their 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 function. Roger Goodell is a great example. Anytime anybody's mad at the league, they're like Roger freaking Goodell. We're so mad at him. And usually, here's the thing: he takes it, he eats it, he wears it well, whatever he has to do. He makes a lot of money. And guess what happens? Uh, it's the most watched sport in the entire country, right? And and that's why he is paid so handsomely. Mark Emmert is really the opposite end of this um I, to me guys i want to start like this i don't think we know what mark emmert's legacy is going to be because he has left the door so wide open for so much to change so closing the book on this now and i think they said that he is going to serve until um until june 30th 2023 but I think, you know, also at the same time, like if they really find somebody before then, I, I don't see him staying on, whatever. Kind of almost a Bob Bowlesby situation, right, in, in that kind of sense. I think that's probably how it would go down. We'll see. But do you guys agree with my assessment, John? I'll go to you first, that like we can't close the book yet, yet on Mark Emmert because the door is wide open for a lot of things to happen, whether it be NIL, Transfer Portal, and college football and really the NCAA's involvement in college football moving forward. Yeah, there was not really much done at the NCAA level to enact regulations for NIL to kind of restrict the transfer portal. They kind of just let it be the wild, wild west and kind of did the Pontius Pilate. And we're washing our hands of this and good luck, everybody. And I, and I kind of think what you're hearing from coaches across the country, the Sabins, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley at times. Davo Sweeney is a big proponent of, of regulation and, and creating some structure to this. A lot of that is probably some frustration with the NCAA leadership and not providing an, an avenue to have some regulation, not stepping in and saying, hey, look, we're going to be the leaders on this. We're going to be the ones not relying on the states to create what this should look like, not relying on the universities to create what this should look like. We're going to be the ones to be proactive, setting up some guidelines, setting up some restrictions so that it does have some transparency and does some have does have some cleanliness to it because for better or worse i mean 
we're seeing the the pay for player thing happening it doesn't it's not strictly that but it it is what it is but that's partly the ncaa's fault for not creating a a sense of boundaries for these schools to work with within and the businesses to work within as well to make sure that it's staying on the up and up and i think just the inactivity of mark emmer in that vein is part of what's going to be the lasting memory of him um as far as nil is concerned i, I think you, it's you it's it's what you said you know the the commissioner is there to be the the go between between the fans and the ownership in this case the fans and the presidents of the university i mean the ncaa I mean, he got a lot of power because of the conferences and the presidents of those conferences, but they needed a better leader in this last 12 years. I mean, so much realignment's gone down. We've seen, you know, the college ball playoff expand. It could have expanded further, but it didn't. We've seen transfer portal just open up and NIL just kind of become the wild, wild west. And so, I mean, the NCAA, if they really want to be an active part of college football, which they seem to want to be, then they need to take a lead on some of these things that have become pretty controversial over the last couple of years. So Linda, if you had to pick a, a favorite or least favorite, well, if you're, if you're picking the least favorite, I guess it would be the NCAA punishing Oklahoma state. So that's probably the least favorite, but if you had to pick like your favorite adventure that we've had during the 12 year tenure of Mark Emmert, I'll give you the chance of talking about, you know, them fighting uh, against, you know, NIL, obviously, uh, I'll give you the chance to talk about them, you know, with the inequity of the women's basketball tournament when they've got plenty of money to support it. We know how much their men's tournament makes and the inequities that we saw on that front, uh, the pay for play in basketball, which really the NCAA didn't seem too keen on punishing anybody for a long time. We're still waiting to hear what Kansas's rule is going to be, but, Hey, look, I'm wearing my Missouri shirt. You're an Oklahoma State fan. We get to hear pretty fast about our overbearing punishments for us. So choose your own adventure. What's been your favorite of the Mark Emmert tenure? Man, my heart's beating all fast. I love a good choose your own adventure. Um, First of all, it feels like he just – things started happening, especially recently with, like, the NIL, and he just, like – you know that move where you put your finger in your ear and you go, like, no, 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 like, I'm out. I'm done. And he's just kind of going to wash his hands of the mess that he's made, which is a special kind of human, uh, just as a whole. It's a character flaw, in my opinion. But for sure, the way that he's handled the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament held this year was the first year that they got to brand as March Madness. Mm -hmm. That's insane. And what happened? They put those games on TV and people watched them. People went to the games. They went to the stadiums. And yes, it helped that there was some attention on some of those girls that were playing really well. I mean, I was seeing them on TikTok. You were seeing them on Twitter. There was like hype surrounding it because they put some money into it, which is wild how that happens. Um, the I, I like the transfer portal. There's certainly things that I like in the advancement. Uh, I would like to see just the, not regulated well, right? Like there's no windows right. for transfer there portal. Are issues. There's no there's no there's no rules on you know what constitute name image like this deals. Yeah, oh, we just handle kids agree. cash. Nothing's it's it's not none of it's perfect. But again, anytime right. you present a problem to him, he nah, 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 like I'm not I'm not listening to you. I don't care about like it just feels like he was super unattentive. And when you're talking about a guy that's in charge of as much as you're in charge of, I'd much rather have a someone that's very attentive than a guy that just seems to not not care too much. 
Uh, Jake, it was the constant, the, the one thing that was consistent from Mark Emmert during his tenure was the amateurism, right? It was always student athlete. These are amateurs. And during the 2010s, I think especially in that tenure, the money was skyrocketing for television contracts, um, you know, for these bowl games, like, you know, like the, the title, title sponsors, um, the NCAA tournament, they were always making a lot of money off that, but I think there was more attention paid to how much money was made off those events. You know, in this span, I think we had the moment of Shabazz Napier talking about going to bed hungry, right? Not, you know, the, the, remember the unlimited meal plan that came along finally that like oh, wasn't yeah. a thing until Shabazz Napier had said something. And they finally did, it. and then you know, talk about that and like the awful food accommodations that the the female players had last year during the you know, and, and the men were eating eating great. Um, but the one the one constant through every controversy and everything has been the student-athlete, the student-athlete, the student-athlete, student-athlete amateurism. Is that the problem? Is, is, is it just like the, the NCAA's reluctance to be like, we can't let go of amateurism? Was that what's, yeah. what's going to kill Mark Emmert in the end and, and the entire NCAA? I, I, th- I do think that's going to be absolutely one of those things that's going to obviously taint his legacy because you're right. It was just a constant refrain. Well, we're doing this for the student-athletes. Doing this for the student-athletes. You know what? You can stop it with the pharisaical saying that it's the student athletes you guys are a multi-billion dollar business that doesn't want to lose any of that money you, you guys can remember in the early days of that pandemic the ncaa fought tooth and nail to keep the ncaa tournament alive because they were not about to give up that billion dollar tournament mm-hmm. and they finally had their hand forced when everybody else around them was canceling so it's just it's one of those things i wish the ncaa would just realize you know what we're a multi-billion dollar sports entity. We should stop acting like we're this mom and pop shop because you're not that. Just just, just give up the gig. But they're a nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> they're acting like they're acting like my daughter's, you know, local soccer league. You know, yeah, like, sure. hey, yes. we need, we need, we need some sponsors in the back here. Yeah, yeah. Need- hey, actually, you're gonna have to buy your own shirts. Um, oh, right. you know, and you, if you need oh. equipment, you may better go get those at the Dick Sporting Goods down the road. Like, we're not gonna provide you anything. It's it absolutely ludicrous. I think just, John, John Oliver did a great job a few years ago when he did. You know, and your mileage might vary on John Oliver, but just talking about the NCAA tournament and like mm-hmm. exposing really. If you want a deep dive on like a lot of the business numbers and actually a pretty shortened period of time, John Oliver does a great job with that. But you know, th- this kind of this kind of leads us um, to the idea of like there there is no situation where somebody comes in and turns this thing around. In my opinion, like. This ship has sailed. College football is going to be run by the conferences and conference commissioners. Now, my question is, um, the only thing I think the NCAA gets involved with at that point is going to be eligibility. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if name image likeness is going to have it, but if it's just an eligibility, excuse me, an eligibility thing, you know, I mean, even at that point, you might see a separation. So, John, I'll go to you on this. Like, um, you know, I, I think they're going to be okay with the basketball side of things. But the college football ship's going to sail because the NCAA hasn't done anything recently. Uh, and it's showed that, like, look, the sport will persist. Yes, we need parameters and guidelines, but we're not going to trust this clown car of individuals to set them. Well, there's going to come a point in time when the the Power Five conferences, in particular, 
kind of become self-aware and realize they don't need the NCAA as a governing body, that those five conference commissioners, and if they want to bring in the group of five with them, they can create their own league separate. They can hire uh, an independent individual to oversee the whole thing, much like the NFL does with Roger Goodell. They can bring somebody in or, or they can bring in their own group of people and hire their own group of people because there's going to be plenty of money wherever, you know, wherever college football goes, the money's going to follow. They could have their own, you know, NCAA like board of people to oversee college football playoff, oversee, you know, the conference structure, oversee scheduling, oversee the eligibility. I mean, the NCAA is really not necessary in college football. You got enough power brokers in the conferences, in the college football playoff committee that could create their own league. I mean, we've heard whispers of that over the last you know few weeks that by the you know 2030s that we're going to see a big um, college football league separate from the NCAA. And I mean, I don't hate it. I don't hate the idea of it, but what you need is some strong leadership to take that over. You're going to need somebody that's got the chops to run a professional sports league times two, because I mean, if you're talking about taking all five power conferences, you're talking about more than 50 teams. That's way more than what an NFL commissioner oversees the major league baseball commissioner oversees. And so you're going to need a strong group of people to oversee whatever the future of college football looks like, if it is separate from the NCAA, because that looks to be the way it's heading. Um, And if they don't create that strong leadership, then we're going to see this conference realignment thing constantly reoccurring and this wishy-washy move on college football playoff, where it would have benefited every single conference, but several conferences were like, now we're good. We're going to just leave the money on the table for the next you know, five, 10 years, and then we'll get the money later. But if you'd have had strong leadership that was going to the commissioners and saying, listen, this is going to put this amount of money in your back pocket. If we do this now, they would have been like, yeah, okay, sure. Let's do it. But, you know, politics got involved and the Alliance, you know, we've talked about it before on the show, but the Alliance kind of decided they were going to have their way with it. But again, if college football is heading away from the NCAA, the conferences really need to find a good, strong, independent voice to be the the figurehead and the leader of whatever that organization looks like. And then a body of people that works under that person to really make sure that college football is heading in a good trajectory. Linda, for the other sports, for for basketball, both men's and women's and baseball and softball and track and field and soccer, they still depend on the NCAA to set up and run these events and these championships. And I know my question is like, does the NCAA just need the world's best event planner to be the new head of the NCAA? Like, is that what this needs? Because I'll tell you this. I mean, the, the, the college world series is a spectacular event. The women's college world series is a, I mean, dynamite of an event. Um, I thought this year the women's college basketball, the NCAA tournament, uh, had some better games than the men's did. I, I thought that UConn-NC State game was the best tournament game I saw, irrespective of men's or women's. And I think there's there not going to be a change of who is in charge of those events. So, like, I think the NCAA still has utility. It's just going to be weird. I, I think the one thing I'm thinking about uh, when you talk to this, Linda, is, like, is it going to be weird that we're going to have one organization like John said working on the football and then everything else is going to be under the NCAA? Or do you think at some point there's other branching off for things like basketball? 
I would wager that the NCAA always exists in some capacity for all of college sports. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't get somebody at the helm that then delegates an entire system or branch that is in charge of football. Like, that's it. And then everybody else focuses on something else. But I would wager that the NCAA always has at least like a pinky toe in the pool of college football from from some kind of angle uh but you have to get somebody that can delegate and yes event plan that i think that's huge we talked about it when we talked about who's going to take over the, as the big 12 commissioner somebody that can communicate with crowds of young people like that's your goal you're trying to get new faces into a sport that they may not know about or be in like you know go, when they're playing golf on tv or like you said softball the softball tournament is seriously so much fun I don't, I'm not a softball player. I went to like one practice as a kid after four minutes. I was like, this is not for me, but watching it is a thrill. I watch it with my daughter. We have a blast. So like you have to get somebody in that's going to spread the awareness about all these other sports. And that's going to be somebody that's a good event planner and maybe a little more youthful. But I think the NCAA taking their hands off of football a little bit is okay. I just think that there's a pretty good chance they always have just an inkling to do with it. Jake, your thoughts Did on I that? Did I answer your question? I'm yeah, no, no, I, no. I, I mean, I just, I don't know if, I mean, Jake, do you think the NCAA is going to have any tie to college football? Like, is the eligibility uh, thing going to be there? Or like, are they just going to be like, all right, you know, will SEC and Greg Sankey and all those guys be like, you know what, we'll make our own eligibility rules, semi to, somewhat close to what's going on there. But like. It, it goes back to, I don't know how many of you guys, I think all you read this was the, the interview in Sports Illustrated from Jack Swarbrick from, from Notre Dame, mm-hmm. the AD at Notre Dame, saying that he believes there's a breakup of the NCAA. It's inevitable. That's the quote he uses. It was inevitable. Right. And he thinks middle 2030s is when it would come down. He said there'll be schools that will still tie their athletics to the academic thing. And then he also thinks there are going to be schools that will essentially license their intellectual property for their athletics programs to another entity, but they will still retain the name. So an example, BYU could lease it out to some entity, X entity out there that would essentially operate as BYU's athletic department, for example. It would happen for any one of those. I, it'd be very interesting to see how they do navigate this because whoever takes over, they're already fighting an uphill battle because the perception, yes, they are just, they're the most hated person in sports. It feels like in many ways, the second they take that job uh, to go back real quick on the women's college world series thing. My wife has played in the women's college world series. Uh, she's a softball player, at division one level. That tournament is absolutely incredible. We still watch to this day, me and her, and it's so much fun. So that's the type of stuff that should be highlighted more. I know football drives things, men's and women's basketball, men's basketball in particular really drives it, but these other sports and their post seasons, because you're right, the world series for both the baseball and softball thing, that's a lot of fun. And that should be highlighted more. I feel like moving forward, the, the question will be who can you find that can balance both continuing to push the football element while also understanding that, Hey, we've got to pay attention to these other sports. Cause there's some point that football side of things may ultimately just divorce itself from us completely. Yeah. The, the question to me is, you know, I think they're ace in the hole right now for the NCAA is that they are, they're holding on to what is a nearly billion dollar event every year in the NCAA tournament. Right. So I think their television contract is running through like 2032, I think is what it is right now. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, yeah, they deal with the 2032. Uh, yeah. So 
you know, they have, and that look, that's always going to draw. Like there's no situation where that just, it's, it's bulletproof, right? It is the NCAA tournament is absolutely bulletproof. There's no situation unless they started, you know, you know, doing something awful to, you know, to, to make it not uh, appealing to everybody. But um, that's, that's my question. I, I know Jack Swarbrick is saying like, yeah, it'll all break up, but I, I'm not an expert on these things. I just, does anybody have any idea how like the NCAA would lose the NCAA tournament, which is what it's known as it's NCAA March Madness. NCAA, I, I don't see a situation where that happens, Jake. The way, the way I took it from Swarbrick is he's thinking more football than anything else. Right. Really. Will break yeah, things yeah. up because I'm with you. The NCAA, that cash cow, there is not a chance in hell that they are going to let let go of that. They are not letting go of that bag at all. So maybe it is that the football ultimately does decide it's going to become its own singular entity and maybe has a loose association with the NCAA and its member schools because they're playing in the sport. But maybe at that point, that yeah, there is just a complete a separation essentially of football and then all these other sports over here are still under the NCAA umbrella. Maybe that's how they will go about it. Uh, all right. So let's get to our next topic. Okay. On the evening. Uh, we got some news coming down today from Sikkim 365. They said that sources, multiple sources, are telling them that Blake Shapin is expected to be named the quarterback at Baylor University uh, for the 2022 season. Now, this is coming off the heels of something that you all were not involved in, so don't worry here. Last week, we did the quarterback power rankings in spring, myself, Emery Lida, and Drake Toll. And it was a voting system. So once again, I, I, it's my show. I should take ownership for it. But our rankings on, had, Mark Gary, had we had Gary Bohan, we had Gary Bohannon at number two. And I said, gentlemen, I'm not sure this man wins his own quarterback job. Well, it sounds like he's not going to. And I want to put this, I want to put this out there. Uh let's see, our guy um uh Parker from Stat Statso at Statso War on Twitter. Um said this he said despite Baylor fans com- uh, commitment to pretending a great athlete was a great QB the rest of the Big 12 should be very unhappy about Aranda's QB dis- uh, decision you want to say Baylor ranked 41st in EPA slash pass uh, so it's expected points added uh, in the pass game in 2021 now 41 you might say it's pretty decent their passing offense was the worst unit that Baylor had last season Blake Shapin, you might – well, last seen not doing very well in the second half of the game against Oklahoma State. Blake Shapin also, friends, holds the record for a Big 12 championship game for consecutive passes completed at 17. So, John, I'm going to go around and basically ask everybody the, 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 the same question. As somebody who's going to be in a – covers a team that's going to be an opponent of Baylor, are you happy, saddened, indifferent about this decision? What do you think? I'm going to take a we'll see approach, you know, because one of the great things you had about Gary Bohannon was you knew he was, wasn't going to turn the football over. He was going to play a style of quarterback that was going to keep Baylor efficient enough in the passing game while using his legs as a runner to keep the chains moving. Now they lost Abram Smith. They lost Tristan Ebner out of that backfield. And to me, that's still one of the big question marks uh, at, is that running back for Baylor? Blake Shapin looked really, really good in that first half against Oklahoma State. 
I mean, he also got the benefit of four Spencer Sanders turnovers in the first half of that, of mm-hmm. that big 12 championship game. Sorry, Linda. Those are just the facts, but can he have that same level of efficiency, that same level of effectiveness throughout a complete big 12 season? I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback for the, for Baylor and in the big 12. So to me, but it's, it's a wait and see kind of approach. You know, I, I want to see what he looks like against BYU early on in the season. I think that's going to be a huge test for him. If he can pass that test, then yeah, I'll start to get a little bit nervous about that, you know, home date that Oklahoma has against Baylor. Uh, But until I see him a little bit more, uh, you know, I kind of want to take a wait and see approach. My only hope is that Gary Bohannon heard it from Dave Aranda first and not through Twitter. Cause man, I, I'm, I don't know I, the breaking news thing. And I, I get it. It's part of the media, but I yes. feel bad for these kids, man, when they're hearing that they lost the, the starting quarterback job through Twitter, that, that is, that, that's, I don't know, just kind of hard. Well, it, it's tough because they're not making any announcement here either. So there's a chance that maybe he didn't hear it. Look, that's not necessarily on Dave Aranda. It's just that yeah. word gets out and stuff like this happens. And by all accounts, everybody says Gary Bohannon is like an awesome dude and a really great leader and all of these things. Linda, I, I want to ask you this question, though. Here's how I see it. They're losing guys like Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard off their defense. On their offense, they're going to lose guys like Tyquan Thornton. They're going to lose Abram Smith and Treston Ebner. So to me, the one thing that we know that has to improve is their offense, and this guy, Blake Shapin, in my opinion, gives their offense the best chance to get better, not just beyond, you know, Gary, Gary's got time left too, but not just beyond, beyond you know, this season, but in beyond too. And so that's what I think this is about putting a guy in a situation where he could, he needs, this thing needs to elevate because their defense probably won't be as good. And they have a guy who's probably got a higher ceiling than the guy they had last year, who was a good game manager, but that's kind of what they needed last year with the great running back and a great defense. Yeah, I, I was pretty pro Gary Bohannon, to be honest. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. I don't think it ultimately matters because they have Jeff Grimes calling the offensive plays, and that's, like, who you want doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will say is, though, you're very – like, you're right about the defense maybe not being as good next season. That Like, historically, offenses pass more when they're uh, down in game. So if they're worried they're going to be down, then the passing game needs to step up. And they're losing two of their, their two starting running backs, also meaning that they may have to pass a little bit more. So I get it. It's still very early before the season starts. So that feels a little – like, it feels like this might maybe should have waited to make that call. But, I, you know, I guess they've made their decision and they want to make sure he's getting all the first-team reps. So – it just it yeah. shocked me. I didn't know till I had signed on, and then you guys were like, "We got to talk so, about the shaping news." So, Linda, to, to be to be fair, this is now this is this is out from Sikkim three sixty five. They they do a better job than anybody covering Baylor. They have put their their entire staff's name. I mean, it, it says this article is by the Sikkim three sixty five staff. So when you do that, like you are putting all of your names on this work, and what you are saying is. Uh, has learned through multiple sources that sophomore Blake Shapin is expected to be named Baylor's starting quarterback. Um, the news began the service on Tuesday evening after a round of meetings with each of Baylor's quarterbacks. Uh, now, so that's where we're that's where we're at. Linda, do you have anything else? I just want to make sure that we all you know we're not okay. Jake, I, I want to ask you this because yeah. I think I think this is this is where Dave Aranda 
because I'm reading that again. And I feel like this means Gary, Gary Bahan probably knows, right? If we're talking yeah. about a round of meetings with the players, we think he knows. So, so let's, let's just all operate under that assumption. Okay. I like the fact that while all these coaches out there are trying to play coy and, and Hudson cards going to battle with Quinn Ewers. It's dumb. That Dave Aranda has said, this is our guy. Sure. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, we, we've had spring Gary. Blake's our guy. Blake, you are our guy heading in, heading into the 2022 summer. We're heading to summer now, summer workouts, all of those things. Take that as take that as you will. That, that, that's how this thing is going to shake out. And I think there is something to the amount of honesty. I think both. I think the team is going to benefit from this. I think Gary Bohannon is going to benefit from this. I think Blake Shape benefits from this. We all know where we stand. We all know who we have to rally around. And I, I, I'm totally cool with that as opposed to the, oh, we're not sure. We got ourselves a 12-way battle here because I want to keep all 12. You know, we got a kid, you know, the, the guy used to scoop ice cream in Section 140 last year. He's made some good throws this year as a walk-on. I think we might, you know, he might have a chance. Like, I, I, I'm a, I, how do you feel about the honesty is the best policy so we know who we're behind here? I actually, I really like it. And that's the thing I think that it's the right policy to have if you feel like you have a clearly better guy. Let's just put it that way. If, if, if it were truly a neck and neck battle, I'm totally okay with the coaches saying, you know what, both of them are still battling. But if, if Blake Shapin is the guy, just make the announcement now. And you let the bygones be bygones. If Gary Bohannon is going to say, you know what, I'm out then you say, okay, so be it. But I am actually in favor of this. And it's something I think that BYU's offensive corner, Aaron Roderick, it's kind of the same philosophy he has used during his time at BYU since taking over for Jeff Grimes. He's been very straight about telling you where each quarterback lands with the BYU quarterback battles that we've covered over the past few years. And he's been very, very straightforward about that. So I like that part of it. The one thing I will say about this is BYU got absolutely punked by Baylor last year. And they have want nothing more than to get revenge in that home opener when Baylor comes to Provo uh, in the second week of the season. And the thing is, Tristan Ebner and the running game for Baylor absolutely killed BYU last year. The Cougars are not sad to see him off to the NFL. They want to see Baylor maybe throw it a little bit more. It might give BYU a better chance at winning that game. Um, And, and, yeah, I I think you're totally right because I'm actually just, like, so interested by that game next year because Baylor's going to be completely different. It's going to be completely different team um you know guy that i work with uh gabe eicher played center at oklahoma you know uh, a lot of accolades really great player always made the point to us has made this point a lot that like it's so important that everybody knows who the guy is playing quarterback because it is the most important position in all the sports is what most of those people you know most football players believe it's so important everybody knows who that is and i i think I think Dave Aranda and Jeff Grimes like understand this year is going to be more challenging for them on offense. And so it's important that we don't do this waiting game. I mean, th- this was, you know, I, I correct me if I'm wrong here, guys. Like, this was the quarterback battle for like of the conference. This was the best quarterback battle. These are two guys that could start at multiple power five schools. Right. I mean, and, and, this is the, the we're we're hearing it. You know, we think when you were going to start week one, uh, I'm not sure when we're going to hear about that, but we're hearing now about the biggest quarterback battle. Baylor knows who to rally behind. The, the, the there's there be no mistakes here. It is April 26th. 
Their opening game, I'm sure, is sometime between September 1st and 7th, whenever it is. They have the next three months knowing, three months plus, knowing who their guy is. That is invaluable. And I, I will say this. I'm not sure about BYU situation, but Oklahoma's like that. Oklahoma State's like that. And Jake, is BYU like that? They, they are, right, with uh, yeah. Jaron Hall? Jaron Hall. Hall. Yeah, Jaron Hall. A, yeah, he's the There's guy. a benefit. There's there's a benefit, right? I mean, I think we can all agree, like, we're – Everybody and everybody here on this on this on this you know video is is pleased that they know who the quarterback is heading into twenty twenty two. I mean, I don't think there's any there's any doubts about that. So, no, John, saying, John, I think well, yeah. I, I think it does another thing too. It gives Gary Bohannon time. Like if he does want to find a new spot and go transfer, right. he's got time to go look at his options, figure out where he wants to play, and then he's got four months to get acclimated to his new program. And you, you mentioned what it does also for the team is that it gives everybody else time to get acclimated to the fact that Blake Shapin is the quarterback. So I like I like the approach. I liked the approach by Brent Venables and Jeff Levy with Dylan Gabriel. They removed any facade that there was going to be a quarterback competition at Oklahoma. They just came right out and said Dylan Gabriel's the starter. I think it's important, like you mentioned, but I, I do like it's kind of a bit of a hat tip to Gary Bohannon. You want to stay great. We'd love to keep you. If you want to go explore options, you got plenty of time to do that. You wait until August, you know, the last week of August to make your quarterback decision. The, the kid's got no options. He's got to stay at Baylor or enter the transfer portal and just kind of sit out the season. Uh, so I, it is, it's kind of a cool little, you know, hat tip to Gary Bohannon. Hey, we respect you. If this is what you, now this is me making an assumption of what Dave Aranda mm-hmm. would say to him. If you want to go explore, now's your time to go do that. Yeah, because he's got to do it. He's got to do it. He's got to get a move on. If he's yeah, ready. well, May first, right? May first. Yeah, it's like it's got it's got to be done by this Sunday. And, and, and I think it's really because you know they just had their spring game, and so it's like, look, I know it's a shorter period of time, but it's five days. And look, that guy, that guy gave them a Big Twelve championship, right? I mean, I know he wasn't playing when it happened, but like he, you know, he got them there. He, he he got them there, you know, and and he was. Um, you know, he was he was the, the leader of making that happen. And, like, that's a huge accomplishment. And I think there will be a lot – I mean, excuse me, I, I work, you know, working at XM on the Pac-12 channel, and I've been working on the Big Ten channel, and we're talking about some of these schools. Like, there are a whole heck of a lot of Power 5 schools that would love to have a Gary Bohannon. I, I mean, the Illinois, the Rutgers – of the world. Those teams would love to have a guy like that. The cows, you know, they might not say this otherwise, but like the cows of the world, the Colorados of the world, a lot of these schools would love to have a guy like that there for them. And I I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited for him that he's, and look, he might stay. He might be the guy who says, no, I'm going to stay here. This is where I'd like to be. But you know, it's probably really heartbreaking for him. I mean, I think, I think you have to feel bad for the kids. Like, after what he accomplished last year, you know, it's just, this is, this is major life's not fair, like major life's not fair, but I'm glad we're hearing this now because now Gary's got the opportunity to go somewhere else. If he would like to, if he would like to. All right. Last thing here, folks, uh, you guys can go any direction that you would like. So if you guys want to take NFL draft, you guys want to take spring ball, you guys can go any direction here. Something that you are, it's still on your mind from last week something that uh you know is on your mind the upcoming week so john i'll go to you first what i think i know what's on your mind uh what 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 do you got for us well i'm just going to share so i i took my family to the spring game mm-hmm. on saturday 
And it was my first experience in Oklahoma, you know, or Gaylord family, Oklahoma Memorial stadium. Um, and we just had a really good time and I don't recommend taking the toddler, but we wouldn't do it any differently. Uh, my daughter just absolutely loved just watching the cheerleaders when the ponies ran onto the field with the mm. schooner, her eyes just lit up, her jaw dropped. She was just amazed by it. And we were way, way up in the upper deck. Um, and it was just a cool atmosphere for and for a spring game, it was really neat to see just so many people show up and show out. Uh, on the football side of things, the the player that I was really excited to see on the field was Theo Weiss, sat out most of 2021 uh, with a leg injury after time for the team lead in receptions in 2020. And they're going to need him to, to be a big player. Had one catch for 48 yards early in the game that set up a touchdown for, for his squad. So really, you know, a really good day for him. And it was really good to see him back on the field. Awesome. And yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome to see that crowd, man. Uh, Brent Venables, he challenged everybody and they got out there and did that. Um, okay. Linda, I think I know what direction you're going to go. And this must be one of your favorite weeks of the year because not the NFL draft will impact the 117 fantasy drafts that you are going to be doing. <laughs> this offseason. Am I'm, not that many. I'm not that many. And I'm including not best ball, about- including best ball. No, what about weekly? you're not going to get away with only this, only me talking about the NFL draft. You could go ahead and put it on next week's docket because we oh, are doing a segment of NFL. I want to talk about, I went to the spring game uh, in Stillwater. We didn't, it wasn't a game because our offensive line is injured and we didn't have enough depth to run a full scrimmage, which has been a fear heading into at, at the end of last season, I was already worried about the offensive line. And then Mike Gundy was like, yeah, we can't even scrimmage. I was like, okay, sweet. (laughs) Um, But we did get to see some quarterback play backup quarterback is still a huge question mark after Shane Illingworth entered the transfer portal. I was a very big Shane Illingworth fan. I think we talked about that one of the first times that we ever got together and did this. Um, but Garrett Rangel got the QB two reps. So I'm hoping that that means, you know, signs are pointing to him being the backup quarterback Gunner Gundy, who is Mike Gundy's son. God love him. The throwing motion is not pretty and he's not very big. And he's a walk on though, right? Yeah. But right now it kind of seems like it's between the two of them for the backup position. And I'm just, uh, I'm just hoping that seeing Wrangle take those those QB two reps is the indication that I needed that he was going to be the backup quarterback. And they got somebody pretty good in the recruiting. He's a kid, right? In the recruiting class, they got who's pretty good. Was he the four star uh, last year? Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever it was, yeah. Um, so basically, what you're saying is you better pray they keep Spencer Sanders upright this year, right? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, and he hasn't played a full season yet, so that's a, it's a valid concern and a very important position. Uh, for the Cowboys. Uh, not shocking that the spring was so grueling that it made the offensive line hurt. Mike Gundy's practices are not known to be the easiest in the world. Uh, all right, Jake, what is on your mind, sir, as we conclude today's show? Well, BYU's spring ball pretty far in the rearview mirror. So I wanted to go on the NFL draft this week, and I wanted to highlight Tyler Algier. He's the most likely of all the BYU candidates this year to get drafted. I'm expecting to hear his name called somewhere in the late, part of round three but more likely round four round five in the draft but his story he's a walk-on from fontana california came to byu started as a running back realized hey if i want to get on the field early on in my career i gotta switch over to linebacker he plays linebacker actually leads byu in tackles against boise state one year the very next year he switches back over to running back and leads byu in rushing that very next year against mm. boise 
State. This is a kid who is just an incredible success story. Bet on himself, bet on coming to BYU. He's not a member of the LDS faith, which runs BYU. And just, he's been an absolute sensation. He set the single season rushing record this past year for the Cougars. It's a really cool story, and I'm super excited to see him in the NFL. I'm wearing my Niners hat tonight. I have a just a – I'd like to see him with the 49ers. It probably won't happen because they already have their running backs, it feels like. But I just hope that that kid makes good on the bet he made on himself in the, at the college level because I can tell any NFL team, if they were to ask me what they're getting in this kid, he's a football player. Special teams, linebacker, running back, you can put him wherever you want on the field. He will do his best to succeed. He did it at BYU, and I'm expecting the same in the NFL. Uh, I would just like to say this is an awesome running back class, I think. I think this is going to be a really strong running back class. Uh, Brees leads the way, so I guess we're partial to that. But Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller, James Cook, Kyron Williams, Tyler Mm -hmm. Algier, Damian Pierce, uh, Zamir White, I mean, Jerome Ford, Abram Smith, Tyler, like, like Tyler Beatty, like my, my Missouri Tyler, like that dude was a horse this year and he's not a 5'8 yeah. and he had a 200 some carries this season. It's like, you know, so I, I'm, I'm pumped for this. I'm very pumped. And we'll have all kinds of coverage about how things went for the Big 12 next week. Uh, that'll be the focus of our show, just kind of the Big 12's draft because it might not be a good one. Um, hopefully it is down the line. But we'll, but we'll see. All right, everybody, time who's gonna, to who's going to be the player they sleep on this year? That's going to be the question because they what, Big Twelve players sleeping on. Yeah, they keep sleeping on Big Twelve players, and then Jalen Rodriguez. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing with the Jalen. Like the Jalen Petrie thing makes no sense. Yeah, that makes no. Like he's, he's a like he's a first round pick. Yeah, it's like the stupidity what, that they. Value I don't know what we're doing. Where they value safety. It's it's ridiculous. Somebody's going to take. Somebody's going to take Desmond Ritter. Like thirty first, yeah. and I'll be like, "We're like, wh- why'd you do that?" And it's like, hey, uh, "Well, we got we to stand for Desmond Ritter because they're part of the Big Twelve. But I, you're I, right, I, you know, I watched that Alabama game. I, it's tough. It's a tough bridge for me to cross. Yeah. Uh, all right, it's a time everybody to plug their uh, all their work and all of its variety. John, you're up first, my friend. Yeah, make sure you check out Locked On Sooners wherever you get your podcasts. It's free and available on all platforms as well as YouTube. Go subscribe to the channel over there. And you can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at the Sooners Wire. We'll have some draft reaction as well. Hopefully they're not sleeping on Nick Bonito like they slept on Creed Humphrey because that guy's going to be a game wrecker at the NFL level. That's good stuff. Linda? Uh, You can find Locked On Pokes on any of your podcast listening apps. I have to, uh, I ordered a new laptop so I can finally move over to YouTube and actually connect my internet and make that happen. Um, and then I'll be obnoxiously tweeting about the draft starting a couple days ago. Starting now. There we go. <laughs> uh, Jake. Uh, funny enough, I actually ordered a new laptop this week too. So me and me and Linda are doing the same thing. So there you go. Uh, no, uh, you can find Locked On Cougars wherever you get your podcast. We are on YouTube having some fun there. We're about three weeks into that venture. Nice. And it's, been, it's been really fun. Check out Locked On Cougars wherever you get your podcast. If you want all my takes on all things sports, follow me, Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore enjoying the NBA playoffs right now. So I'll be tweeting some about that. A lot of big 12 players in the NBA playoffs. Uh, you guys can find the show at LO big 12 on Twitter. It's wherever you guys get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. All right, team. See you all next week.